You have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You got to touch. You have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You got to be possessed with the dream. The dream. Yeah. What's up, guys, and welcome to Straight From The Chess Podcast. My name is Justin Groth, and I'm your host on this personal development, personal growth podcast. Listen, if you are new to the show, I just want to take this time and welcome you. If you are tuning back in for the second or 222nd episode, whatever it is, I just thank you for your loyalty, your listenership. It means a lot to me. And listen, guys, if you derive any value from this show or you believe anybody else would derive value, please do not hesitate to share it on your Instagram platforms, your Facebook, your Twitter. Link the podcast straight from the chest. Link myself at Justin Craig Roth. It would do me a great service and I'd be very appreciative of that. Help to generate more awareness of the podcast and who we have on, etc. So I just, I appreciate this time. I appreciate your listenership. Getting into it, we have another awesome guest, Harold Brown, aka Kale the Legend, aka Kid Official, aka Lord Sanctus. This guy goes by so many different aliases. What's up, bro? How are you, Harold? Good. How you doing, man? Good, man. Good. So, look, I wanted to have you on because, first and foremost, man, you've been you've been in the rap game for a long time, and ever since high school. I mean, I. I I don't want to speak for you, so I want you to kind of introduce yourself and and kind of what your roots are, man, and 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 where this thing all started. Yeah, so I mean, um, wow. If I had to break it down where it all started, it would have to be in church, honestly. Like uh, I remember, um, after church, I heard like. I want to say some some of the high schoolers at church were playing like maybe like the chronic or something like that. And I heard it and I was just like, this is this is crazy. And like it it always stuck in my mind. But I do remember like hearing Criss Cross and MC Hammer. And then that kind of just since I was a kid, that was kind of what resonated with me. And uh, that made me want to like try it. But because I was in church, I couldn't like do uh, secular music. My parents wouldn't let me do secular music. So uh, I started rapping at church. And, um, you know, I kind of realized that as I got around more people that like to rap, I started realizing like, oh, okay, I might I might be good at this. Like it took me a long time to realize it. But I was like, okay, I might be like above average at this. And then so um I, but at the same time, I was dancing. So I always loved to dance. And I thought I was going to be like a professional dancer. And so rap was like, I always did it, but it was kind of, it was never like a, um, I'm going to be a rapper kind of thing. Like after I got to 16 and realized, like, kind of started getting a better picture of how the world works, like you can't just imagine things into reality, then, um, I started being like, okay, I'm, I like to rap. I'm going to, you know, pursue it lightly, but I think I can really do this dance thing. And um, fast forward, graduated high school, um, or danced all through high school with Dance Company. Dance of Company, course. Yeah. yeah, with uh, some of my best friends, Harry, Lucas, Brandon. Um, and yeah, we danced all the way through high school. Went to um, San Francisco State for a little bit. When I say a little bit, I mean like a couple weeks <laughs> uh, with Harry. Um, we 
went to school one day and we looked at each other and we were like, yo, we were actually dancing for a, a Nike sponsored team called Culture Shock in Oakland at the time. And we were, you know, touring everywhere and it was really cool. And, and so, you know, being in a big city and being from a small town and you're dancing with like some of the best people and they're saying that you're the one of the best. It's like a rush, you know, so yeah. we go back to school one day and we're, we look at each other in the quad and we're like, do you want to just like not come back here? And he was like, yeah, I'm not coming back. And I was like, yeah, I'm not coming back. And we just left college and um, kept dancing a little bit. But Harry moved to L.A. before me. Um, and I was in the Bay still dancing. And um, I had <laughs> I stopped going to school without my parents knowing about it. And so they kept asking me, like, yo, what are your grades like? What's things going on? Like, what's going on? And I kept being like, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you when I see you. Like, kind of trying to avoid it. <laughs> and uh, they ended up just being like, what's going on? And they came up, found out I wasn't going to school, yanked me out of San Francisco, and I had to move back here. And um, What year is this? This was, like, 2001. Okay. Yeah, 2001. And so from 2001 to 2002, I worked at like Crescent Jewelers and Slow by Radio Shack off of Madonna. I worked at Bass Outlets in Pismo and it was just miserable because all my friends were in LA like doing their thing and Harry like started to kind of take off. I think like within the first week he got down there, I think he booked a tour with Destiny's Child or Beyonce or something oh. like that. So like immediately with, and then moving to LA, like we were just surround. They were surrounded by celebrities, and I'm seeing it from afar, kind of like, yo, this is crazy. Like I, I need to be down there. So finally, I save up enough money, and like my parents calm down, and they're like, okay, um, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't want to go to school. Like that's just not what I want to do. I've never wanted to do that. And um, I was like, I want to pursue dance in LA, and they weren't they weren't a fan of it but they were just kind of like at this point like he's gonna do what he's gonna do we can't stop him so um i moved to la slept on the couch with uh at at the guy's house we called the 1816 so it was like me harry uh lucas um another guy named tommy from uh Rigetti, and another guy named nick from Rigetti but all 805 dudes in this Burbank house and then um, some LA guys in the back house. And like, we just became known as the 1816 around like LA. And we what's were, that mean though? That was just the address of the house. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. It was just the address of the house. And like, um, we just were kind of, you know how, like when you're from a small town, you think that like everything outside of, the small town is like everybody's more turned up and there's yeah. way more things to do. And so I think we were kind of maybe overcompensating when we got to LA and like we were just a little wilder than we needed to be, but we got known for that. And um, met a lot of people. I started auditioning for dance and realized like I hate auditioning. Like I don't like being in a situation where someone gets to be like, you're worthy or you're not worthy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so. I immediately, maybe after like my fourth or fifth audition, was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm gonna just work at Verizon. I'm gonna figure it out. And, but I don't want to dance this way. Like, it makes me hate dance. And so, um, 
I stopped dancing, but the week I had moved to LA, there was a uh, Power 106 is like the biggest hip hop radio station in LA or was at one time. And um, they had a segment called the Woe Call where you call in and you freestyle mm-hmm. against all the other rappers in LA. And so I called in like the first week I moved down there and um, I was on the radio. Like, so you call in on Monday and you battle Monday through Friday. If you make it to Friday, you get to go up to the radio station and rap mm. in the station and against whoever's calling in, I guess. Or, yeah, because they're not with you in person. They rap against whoever's calling in. And then if you, that was my headphones. If you get beat, then you have to... You, you, you're done. You can't come up to the station anymore and the next person comes up to the station, they replace you. So I was up there for six months and they had to retire me. Are you kidding? Yeah, like for six months. So it was like 55 weeks or something like wow. that. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, there's 52 weeks in a year. So it's 30-something right, right. weeks. Um, no, it's 20 weeks, 21 weeks. And um, that's still, that's a feat. Yeah. That's a long time, man, so, to be so, raining. Yeah, it was a minute. It was It was a minute. And, um, they had they retired me basically. They were just like you. This is the last week. We're gonna have you battle the other person that went the longest time, and I beat him. And um, but in the midst of doing that, like I'd go up there and freestyle, and like Fabulous would be up there, or like Lil Flip would be up there, and people would be like, "Yo, who are you?" You know what I'm saying? And so Britney Spears heard me on the radio one day, and like invited me down to the studio um, when she was working on her Onyx Hotel tour. And um, that that was my first time being in the studio in LA, being in the being in the um, in the industry. Like uh, a friend of mine, he's a, he's a big director now. His name's Kevin Tangerone, but he was like overseeing Britney's project, and she heard on the radio, and he was like, "Yeah, I know that guy." Like, and she said, "Bring him down." And I got to like do background vocals for her tour because she needed like rap background vocals, and that was like my first thing in the studio. And then from there, it was kind of just bouncing all over studios and and that's when everything started bro how did that feel when you got the call to be a part of britney spears was that surreal did you even believe that call it was and you think someone was fucking with you (laughs) not and you want to know it's funny man like so i didn't which i'm sure we can we can dive deeper into later in the conversation but like i never really appreciated the journey i was on like until i was Honestly, until like four or five years ago, maybe a lot longer than that, but less than 10 years ago, I was always just like, okay, if I'm not Jay-Z level, yeah. Drake level, then it doesn't matter what I've accomplished. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? So I never really appreciated the journey. So, And plus, I was like so naive and just like so set in my ways that like I was so hip hop to the core that I didn't really care that I was in the studio with Britney Spears because she's... Not my who I, I want to be around my peers, you know what I'm saying? Like, so you didn't even care I, that it was Britney. I didn't care. She was nice, and I wasn't rude or anything like that. But I wasn't really tripping because I wasn't a huge Britney Spears fan. So for yeah. me, it was just like I realized how major it was, and I used the, the opportunity for what it was. But I, yeah, I wasn't really tripping about that because she wasn't anything. Yeah, to, yeah, to it's not like your that. genre. Yeah. yeah, that's insane though because she was at the top of her game when she hit yeah. you up yeah. and to be that's like being around taylor swift right now yeah. or something like that right yeah, 100%. and it's just you know it, if anything it's 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 a it's a feat of um 
testament to you. Like it's a testament to you for how good you are, how you're, how talented you are. And that somebody like that liked you because she would have chosen anybody, anybody, you know? And I do think that that was kind of what, that was kind of the moment where I was like, Oh, okay. Like 20 weeks. Cause the 20 weeks in my mind flew by. I was still working at AT&T at the time. So I like go into the station with my suit and tie on and like people laughing at me or whatever. Like, so I was just kind of had blinders on, but when 20 weeks passed, I was like, yo, like I've been up again. Like when they're announcing the people I'm battling, they're like, yeah, he's worked with Dr. Dre and Snoop and all this. And I'm just like knocking them out, like immediately just taking people out. Like, and people were just like, who is this guy? Where is he from? And it took, and then when I got that call, I was like, okay, I like have the confidence to say that I'm good at this without feeling like I'm bragging. Like I just yeah. I'm factually good at this. Let's see where we could take it. And, and, um, yeah, I kind of fumbled around Hollywood for the next few years trying to make it. So what happened in that, in that gap of time? Um, so the first thing that happened was I was, you know, I'm a producer as well. So I I make beats and, um, I just make music. And so I was recording, um, and I was like a lot of young rappers around here or in any small town where you believe you should get an E just for the effort. You know what I'm saying? You should get a look just because you're trying. And, um, but I wasn't really putting out any music. I just thought, okay, I did 20 weeks on the radio. Um, everybody should respect me. But if, if you really look at it from a macro level, I don't have any songs out. Like, I don't really have a sound down. I don't have a brand. I don't, you know. And these are things we didn't really think about at the time. Like, now everybody has a brand. But that wasn't really a thing in 2000, 2002, I think it was. So, um I, you know, had a chip on my shoulder and I met um, this guy named TC who uh, introduced me to Crazy Town. Um, Come, my lady. Come, come, Mm -hmm. my lady. So, and Paul Oakenfold. And so he took me to them and um, they were like, uh, rap. So I rapped and they were like, you rap really good. Like, can we hear some of your songs? And I was like, I don't have any songs. And they were like, what do you mean you don't have any songs? I was like, I don't have any songs. I just like to freestyle over other people. So you never recorded anything? I never really recorded it. I just like wrote stuff and I made beats, but I never recorded the two together. I yeah. hadn't invested in myself and bought any equipment really like that yet. And um, and if I, well, no, I had, I had bought a little bit of equipment, but I just didn't take the time to like record my ideas. I would like make the beats, I'd write the songs and I wouldn't do them together. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, um. I would just go around telling people like I got a dope song, I got a dope song, and when they say play it, I'd rap it for them. Because I don't know why there was such a disconnect in my brain, but maybe I just liked performing, I guess. But they basically berated me, and they were like, "Yo, I mean, you rap good, but you're like as an artist, you're kind of trash. Like you don't have no songs. Like everything you're rapping is just like verses. There's no hook. There's no catchy part. Like you right. just keep talking about how good you can rap. Like we don't want to hear about that all day. And so, but they were like, we see the talent. So." They, for the next three years, like, I was in a camp, like, just riding, riding, riding in Simi Valley. Like, every day I would drive to Simi Valley and get in the studio and write and record and write and record. And finally, uh, TC would just teach me how to structure songs and, like, how to harmonize and all this different stuff and how to use my voice because he could sing and sound like 
anybody. He could sound like Brad from Sublime, or he could sound like Nate Dogg. Like, he just had that range. Like, he was really, really dope. And he was a good mixer, mastering engineer. And so he taught me a lot. And um, he uh, basically, yeah, we recorded a bunch of songs. And um, one of them, Shifty, liked for his solo album. So, because Crazy Town was hadn't been big. So Shifty had Starry Eye Surprise, which was going really nuts with Paul Oakenfold. So he got a record deal as a solo artist with Madonna's label called Maverick. And so he had to put out the album. And at this time, this is when I was learning like, oh, artists don't write their own songs. I had no idea. I just assumed like if you were the artist, you wrote the song. Right. And so I wanted to be an artist myself and people would hear the songs that I recorded with TC and be like, let me buy that from you. Let me buy that from you. And I'd be like, no, like I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm the rapper. Like, and everybody would do that and it just became so much where I was just like, maybe I should just sell the song. Like people are asking me for my songs. Maybe it's a foot into the door. So I sold my first song to Shifty. It was called Shorty Rock on his album, his solo album. Um, I think it's called Happy Love Sick. And um, DJ AM produced most of it. So we got to hang out with AM before he died for a long time, which was dope. And um, that kind of put me in the game, like got my publishing checks and things like that. And that made me like a ghostwriter in the game. You know what I'm saying? So people started calling like, hey, we need this song. We need this. We need that. We need this. And um, that meant I would just record songs all the time. And so um, one of my homegirls from here, her name is Amy. She got married to a football player named Robert Griffith uh, back in the day. He was on the Minnesota Vikings and they would come to the crib and listen to the music. And so he was about to retire right around the time they were getting married and he heard all the music and he was like, yo, you're nuts. Like, what do you need? How can I help? And I didn't really know him from, from Adam, but he just believed and he was like, um, what do you need? And so I put together a business plan um, and I think I put together like a $30,000 business plan and went down to San Diego, pitched it to him. And he said, I'm going to do way better than that. You know what I'm saying? And he like did like four times that, <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Like, and just put me in the game really. And it was insane. Cause I just never had anybody like that. Didn't know me really em embrace me and show me like, this is how your life could be. You know what I'm saying? So I was a hundred pounds overweight at the time. Like he let me live with him and trained me, helped me lose a bunch of weight on top of investing in me. And, um, I made a song called she wants to get it. That ended up being on the radio everywhere. Um, but I was really timid and just still naive, um, at this time because I'm like, I got a deal. I have this money now. Things are just supposed to fall in place, but that's when the work really starts. And so instead of just leaning into the work and, and doing what got me there, I was just kind of waiting and relying on these new managers and this new team to put me in the position to win. And I didn't understand that that's not how it works. So, um, you know, we put out this record that got on the radio. I got to tour a little bit and we did a lot of things, but ultimately it ended up fizzling out. Um, and, uh, so it was kind of back to the drawing board, but during that time I had recorded some records um, and I linked back up with TC just to, you know, check back in, kind of hone my skills, write and record with him. 
and he hooked me up with this guy named Balthazar Getty from from the Getty Museum, the Getty family. And um, so we recorded for like <laughs> a year and we, we just liked each other. Like we'd hang out, we'd smoke weed, we'd talk hip hop, we'd make music. And so one night, like after a year, I go home after recording and I don't usually watch TV. I watch like I've been streaming since streaming existed. So I never really see commercials or anything like that. But one night I just happened to go home and watch TV and I see Balthazar on TV and I'm like, yo, that's the guy I record with like every day. I've been recording with him for like a year and he's on like this hit TV show called Brothers and Sisters or some shit like that. And so I'm like okay, that's weird. So I go back to the studio with him the next day and I'm like, yo, are you famous or something like that? And he, he starts laughing. He's like, oh, I mean, people know me. I was like, are you an actor? And he was like, yeah, I'm an actor. I was like, he never told you he had a show. Nah, I, I didn't know what he did. I didn't know yeah. who he was. Like, I just, we just vibed right away. He liked the way I rapped. I thought his beats were cool and I liked the situation. We were in this like weird ass studio tucked away. Like it was just a weird, really cool underground vibe. And so yeah. I was into it and, um, and yeah, but I had no idea who he was and he was like, yeah. So he starts breaking it down. Like my family's this Getty images, this and this. And I'm like, oh. yo bro, like what are we doing with this music? man? <laughs> I was like, I don't really, I was like, I like you. And I like, I would have asked you this question eventually, but now that I know this, like what's happening with this music? And he said the same thing Griff said, like put together a plan and let's see what we can do. So I put together like a $15,000, $20,000 plan to shoot like two music videos and put out an album. He sees the plans. Like, I like where your head's at. Like let's quadruple it. You feel what I'm saying? Maybe more than that. We ended up spending a lot of money on that project. Well, he ended up spending a lot of money on that project. But it ended up being one of the coolest things I ever did. I can't lie. Like it was, um, he said, what do you want to do? I said, we're making this 90s music. It's really like traditional boom bap hip hop at the time when this was before Kendrick, before J. Cole, before people were doing that. And um, I was like, but you have access to all these high art people. So we want to combine the two. We want I want these really gritty street records to be visualized by like high art people and see how they translate it. And so we did that. Like all our photo shoots were shot by like the, um, I'm so sorry. I forget. I know his first name is Michael. I can't remember his last name, but he shoots all the Avengers covers and all that, those things. And he shot our album cover and, and our single cover and Amanda Demi, who's like one of the world's greatest photographers. She shot our music videos and, we just did like really cool things and performed at Super Bowl parties like in, in when Super Bowl was in Arizona. So I got to go out there and like that was a like life changing experience. And we performed at Coachella parties and South by Southwest and Vibe magazine said we had the most slept on album of 2014. And I got Method Man on the album and Mob Deep on the album. So before Prodigy died, we got one of his last verses and he copied my flow, which to me is like the ultimate because I love Prodigy and like when I sent him my verse and he sent his back, he was doing my flow. And I like, I, that was my flow. Like, no, you feel what I'm That's saying? Insane, so I was man. just like, so flattering. that dude. to me was like the second time I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good at this. Like that album, that whole project. Cause method man, um, heard my verse. And when I met him, he was like, yo, I don't like to say that people could rap. He was like, but you can, you could rap. Like, and so, and method man to me is like, yeah insane you know what i'm saying so both of them 
just kind of took my confidence to another level. Yeah, they solidified you. They solidified you, man. Yeah, like, to me, like, if I died at that moment, like, I'm part of (laughs) hip-hop history, you know what I'm saying? Like, no one could take that from me, so... Yeah, I mean, I've been talking a lot. I don't know if you got any. I love it. No, I love it. There's been, so uh, there have been some things that I've wanted to stop, but I didn't want to stop because you just, I, I like your flow and I like how you're, I like, I love your story, man. And I know that, see, this is all new to me, even though I know you and I've been knowing you since high school, I don't know any of this shit. And, and the thing that's so, we, we spoke for a minute off of mic and I said, the thing that's so intriguing about you is that you've been doing this for over 20 years and you don't stop and people people that specifically listen to this podcast they come here because they're going to stop what Mm. they do because they're just tired of things not happening on their end they're tired of things not not you know culminating into anything Mm -hmm. and they're tired of groundhog days every day and no ROI on what they're putting their effort into Mm. and so it's not to, it like you obviously have been doing this for over two decades and you and you continue to do you've had feats of like you know elevation where you're like yeah man, you know you're you're it's almost like you're inspired to do more inspired to be more but you're not as far as you want to be I know that everybody wants to be if you're like you talked about in the beginning like if i'm not jay-z i'm nobody Mm. and the problem is we see jay-z now we didn't see jay-z when he was nothing right you know and we don't we don't see beyonce when she's nothing we see beyonce now Mm. or when she's destiny's child but you don't see them in the in the growth pro or the rather the uh the the journey the process and the problem with the problem with the process is that it happens in real time and you don't get a perspective on it because it happens in real time and you're just doing it. You're living life, but that's all a part of your testimony. And that's, what's going to actually be the thing that shifts you to a new trajectory where you can, when you're at that pinnacle, so to speak, you can look back and think, fuck, I had to go through all that shit. I had to, I had to second guess myself. I had to almost quit or I had to quit four times. I had to have people tell me like method man told you, I had to have these things happen for me to keep going. You know, the fact that I know you're a man of faith. I know that you grew up in the church and, and your sister did as well, your whole family, right? But it's sometimes faith is questioned mm-hmm. when we get older and we go through life and we have life experiences and we're like, that's not God. There's no way God was in that, you know, or you think, or you see things as that's God, that's God in that. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way it can't be God. Right. Do you think that that happened for you when it came to like that guy taking you under his wing, training you, giving you more money than you needed for your business plan? Like there was no reason why he should have done that. Was yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I'm definitely like. So I mean, I think this is an entirely different conversation as far as like my perspective on on God has fully changed as I've become an adult. But I absolutely believe in God. I want to hear that. Um, I want I want you to talk on that. But I, um, yeah, I'm. I think I'm highly favored. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, even my talent. My talent makes me feel like that the most because I never have written a verse down. Like I just literally kind of black out and come to 
with a verse. I've just kind of been able to rely on the fact that I can do that. At first, I used to be like, is this going to stop? But I feel like I'm really tapped into something that, that you know, is, is definitely greater than myself. So, I mean, even though I do know that it's, it's my talent, it doesn't come from me. And, um, and, I, and I fully acknowledge that. Yeah, I'm highly favored, I think. You know, you have to be able to freestyle well. You have to think ahead. That's been the hardest. Like if I ever had one, it, let's say God said, look, do you want, what one talent would you want to possess if given the ability to have a talent? And I always remember because the one person that just floored me with how he could freestyle was always Eminem, always. And he could just obliterate people. And it was when he was on drugs. Yeah. How the fuck is that even possible? And he's not even clear headed. So I'm thinking like you're not even clear headed and you still obliterate people. Mm-hmm. You have to think forward so much. And so I don't know what it's like to be in that mind frame. But if ever I had to possess one, given the ability to possess one, it would always have been to be able to be a monster freestyler and be able to so. just go into a crowd. This white guy with fucking perfect hair and be like <laughs> and just just assassinate people bro but because that's so starkly not who i am got you you know what i mean and i think that that is a thing that intrigues me because it's the unknown it's totally opposite maybe you call it like the um what do they call those people that's like a uh you're like the uh fuck i'm losing it the the alter ego or okay, whatever, got you, got like you. it's the alter ego. And I, I don't know why no one knows that shit. Well, now a lot of people know that <laughs> shit, but that's always been something that I've been, I, I've always been intrigued by. Like I, I would want to possess that talent. And I remember when we would have break at high school, yeah. you get up at the quad and they would have freestyle and you would freestyle, man. And like, so that's how you became kind of known to me mm-hmm. and my circle of friends. But because you had this raw ability, it just, you kept it you, you and, and it took you somewhere, man. And I mean, you're obviously still going. We don't know what the future holds for you. But in that process of things going up and down, it seems like it's like a roller coaster, man. Like you're up real high, you're touring, you're meeting people. Things are feeling like you have... You definitely have favor, but you have now more favor. It feels like favor is just flowing out of you, man. Mm-hmm. And But then there's like a low point and drops. Mm-hmm. And then, so when you get to that point, what do you, what happens? What do you think? How um, do you think? So that's only happened a couple of times, but it's transformative every time it does happen. Because, I mean, you get sat down. You feel what I'm saying? Like you get sat down on your ass and it's like you have to reevaluate would you do this for no money? Because there is no money <laughs> at this time. And for me, the answer was yes. You feel what I'm saying? And like the first time that it happened. Um, so fast. I've never told this story publicly, actually. So fast forward past Balt, Balt Getty's uh, situation. Our deal um, expires. And, and during this whole time, I'm songwriting. I'm, I'm kind of venturing into songwriting and running my own kind of label situation um with a young lady named samantha mark and she's like a a pop pop singer and so me and her during the course of 
the Balthazar Getty things are, are working and building her project. And she's like the artist that I'm going to take under my wing. And at this time, I have the mentality, like, if I can... It's not that she was very talented singer, but she wasn't like your typical like pop star. And I was like, if I could make her lit, if I can get people to pay attention to her, then I can make anybody lit. Like I'm a songwriter. And I just wanted to test the limits of my pen and my production and things like that. And so um, her and I start working and, and things start taking off. Like people, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like I can actually write songs that, People have no idea, have anything. It's so poppy that people have no idea my hands on it yeah. at all. But I wrote everything and produced everything. And so um, she starts taking off. And I'm talking like when Like a G6 is out with Dev and the Cataracts, we have a song. with This song is number one in the country, G6. And we have a song with Dev and the Cataracts like because they heard about her records. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and my like, gosh. So she's moving. We got a song in Despicable Me too. We get songs and like we're on tour with Jason Derulo. We're doing like it's moving, moving, moving. And we're doing this for like four years or something like that. And like towards the end of it, Adele comes out and she has, you know, she comes from a very, very wealthy family. And um, this is my side of it. I don't know her side of it, but this is from what I could see from the outside looking in. I'd love to hear her side one day. But um, I, uh, she comes from, a lot of money right and like so the the people that she seeks uh validation from to me i just didn't understand I, we weren't on the same wavelength i was like i don't understand why this girl her why her validation means so much to you but whatever and she's adele's no not adele's but her best friend okay and her best friend is obsessed with adele and telling her, like, you know, he's trying to turn you into a black girl. You don't sing that kind of music. You're not that type of person. This and this and that. And, like, we're on the rise and, like, on the way up. In my, from my opinion, her friend gets in her ear and she's like, I don't want to sing this kind of music anymore. And starts trying to sing, like, I had hooked her up with Macy Gray because we talked about, hey, maybe we'll get Macy Gray on a track, but we'll do something funky. But then, um, yeah, it comes out to, I don't want to do this kind of music anymore. Let's cut ties. I'm going to go over here with Macy Gray's people. We're going to start a studio. And basically, she started this huge studio in L.A. that she bought from Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And um, was partners with them. You feel what I'm saying? Oh, and shit. met them through me. And so that just was just like, yo, that just... It kind of hurt me, you know, of course, because I'm just like, yo, I literally took this girl to every contact I had. And every time I took her around, people were like, yo, why? What do you see in this girl? Like, what are you messing with her? You know what I'm saying? Like questioning my she could sing. She could sing. She had a she could sing, but she just wasn't like at first look. She wasn't like, oh, my God, that's a star. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And like she could sing. OK, she wasn't like mind blown. She was just very. Like they say this in Hollywood a lot. It's either you either be need to be really good or really bad. But if you're just in the middle and unmemorable, that's kind of worse than being that's worse than being terrible. Yeah. And she was very much in the middle. You know what I'm saying? She wasn't great. She wasn't bad. She wasn't. She was just there kind of. And so. But, but she wanted to do this. Yeah. At, at first, you know what I'm saying? But as we started to get more popular, um, you know, different it always happens where different opinions come in and, and they start to have influence. And so, yeah, so I got 
kicked off that project basically she kind of does her own thing and now she's thriving in hollywood and i'm just kind of out there like yo this is this is crazy like she used my connects to kind of be out there so i had to that sat me down and i was like yo what what do i do and that just kind of made me reflect and as i started to reflect i was like wow like this is just this journey to get here has been insane and i didn't even realize i had done all of these things like I really did not appreciate the journey at all like I, I can't believe that I I need to stop and just accept the fact that I've come this far and I said I was going to do these things and all the things I said I was going to do I did you know what I'm saying like and I really sat on that and I and that kind of really opened up my mind and just allowed me to just be creative and enjoy the process of creating um, without any expectation, without any, like, I'm just doing this because I love it and I'm able to do it and I'm grateful that I'm able to do it. And yeah, uh, gratitude Mm -hmm. really came into my life in a a really major way where it hadn't existed before. And um, that allowed me to just be more creative than I ever had. And so here comes the favor again um a friend of mine named spencer he's a really good producer introduces me to one of his friends named josh who at the time was engineering the weekend's album starboy and so we end up kind of creating this collective where it was the same situation as bolt i would just go over his house like every day and we record every day and we would just be as creative as we can we'd hang out we'd chill and while he's working on starboy we'd get to like hear these records and go to the studio and like that was like an iconic time for the weekend and it was just crazy to see like a a production of that Magnus who's behind the scenes and towards the end of Starboy he books this project called Astro World for Travis Scott and he's mixing that and so we get to see that behind the scenes and like um, when Kanye starts working on uh, Donda he calls everybody to Wisconsin and, and we got to like use this, the studio time that Travis and Andre 3000 didn't use and I got to record and that made me more oh my creative. Gosh. And so we start coming up with all this dope music and it just starts getting licensed for TV shows and movies and all this stuff like off the bat. like, And it's just going and, and um, we're doing our thing. But those checks take... Forever I was just gonna ask, to how do those chat? How do they, how does that money come? So yeah, I mean, like, for instance, I just I think I locked in a video game license, which is my first, and it's one of my biggest checks ever. I don't expect to see that for maybe eight months. Why so long? Ask the labels. Ask this. I don't know. It's it's unnecessary, but that is, they want the music right away. They'll rush you for the music, but they'll it takes forever to get the check. You feel what I'm saying? So. Um, and when you say music, you mean just beats? Uh, it depends. Like, so when I did, um, like, I did the trailer theme song for uh, Denzel Washington's Western movie, Magnificent Seven. And that's like my voice and everything on there. But sometimes, like, they just want the instrumental. Wait, when is that coming out? It's already out. It oh, came out, out in 2016. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So, I mean, I licensing, like, I've done a lot of TV shows and films. Like, that was, like, my bread. And that still is a lot of my, how I earn a lot of my money. Um, but, uh... 
That's crazy. I never heard of Magnificent Seven. I love it's Denzel's really, work. It's too, a really man. good movie. Uh, what's his name's in it too? Star Chris Pratt, Denzel, Denzel Washington. Uh, that that totally it's like, like just a list cast for sure. Oh my gosh, yeah. I gotta check that out, man. It's a dope movie. Um, that Transformers Four, I did music for. Um, lots of stuff, but um, waiting for those checks. You know what I'm saying? It got really really difficult. Um, and so you like when I moved to LA um, as an entertainer you were really looked down upon if you had a 9 to 5 and were still pursuing like if you were pursuing music or any kind of entertainment but you had a 9 to 5 people looked at you like you didn't take your craft seriously so they wouldn't really rock with you it wasn't until like the younger generation this is what I appreciate about the younger generation so much is like they kind of taught the older generation, like, that's dumb as fuck. Like, I'm not going to starve just to look cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if I got to work, I'm going to work and I'm going to pursue my dreams. That's actually something that the older generation, I think current older generation learned from the younger generation. Um, and yeah, I had to, you know, I, I, after not working for like, I don't know, 10 plus years, I had to get a job. You know what I'm saying? And that just kind of was like, yo, I, it was crazy because I just realized I had not been around real people in 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Like people that work every day and don't kick it with celebrities and don't care to and don't, you know what I'm saying? Like they just want to feed their family and, you know, live a comfortable life and that's it. And so that to me was like, okay, yo, wake, wake up. Like this is not life. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, um, then my dad got sick, um, and I ended up moving back here, and that was like four years ago. Um, but all the while, while I was in LA, I was kind of watching what was going on out here on the Central Coast, and and I would say, "Hey guys, like I've done this, 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 and this. Like I know what I'm talking about. Um, you guys need to take advantage of YouTube. You don't stop calling me and asking me." when where you need to move to to LA you don't need to move to LA at all you just need to take advantage of these new platforms and take over the city if you do that you'll be good and nobody was really listening to me you know what I'm saying there are other people doing their own thing their own way but I was kind of like I think you should do it this way I think you should do it this way and and I get it you know what I'm saying like you want to live and die by by your own decisions and I 100% get that But when I ended up moving back here, I was just kind of like, I'm going to stop telling people and I'm just going to show people. So from day one on Connect the Coast, you can go back on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and you can see where we started to where we're at right now, the whole entire journey. And like my goal from four years ago was to make sure that the entire 805 hip hop scene was unified and heard to where now we get we get the same way all these cover bands get called to play at festivals um and booked at bars and and played on the radio we need that same look we're the number one genre of music in the world like it's insane at this point that you still make excuses to not play hip-hop when all of your kids listen to hip-hop you know what i'm saying we i'm 40 you know what i'm saying so we grew up on hip-hop like you're not a young kid no more you listen to hip-hop you know what it is like so um, four years ago, I set out with that mission to just amplify our voice out here on the coast. And now 
as of today, I'm being played on Wild 106. I'm nominated for a Slow Film Festival Music Award. I'm booked at Madonna Inn. I have a record deal with Connect, Connect the Coast has a record deal. And we're known from Ventura. We're known from the furthest edges of 805. Like we, we know as, we're known as the, the standard setters for culture around here. And, and I mean, um, it's just, it's amazing to see. I'm really, really grateful. Like, that's what I wanted to address. Like you said, I'm not where I want to be at, and I am now. You feel what I'm saying? Like, before, um, I I just wanted people to acknowledge, like, getting all of those accolades from Method Man and these different rappers still never fulfilled me. It definitely let me know, like, okay, I am a challenger. I'm a competitor in this field, but I never felt fulfilled. I was always seeking validation yeah. from the next person. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I got sat down and like I said, until that gratitude came into my life and I was just like, I'm just thankful for the skill that I have to be able to create in the way that I can. And I just want to use that until I can't do it anymore. And I don't care what the result is. I just want to do that and enjoy that. Um, it's brought me to where, like, I, I'm exactly where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything else to me is, uh, is, is frosting on the cake. See, that's like a selfless way to be, a selfless way to be. You know, the fact that you, it's like having, the way I see what you just said, it's like having a lot of money, but never being happy. Having all this money, driving Lambos, Rolls Royces, having a mansion, but then not fulfilling you and people talk about that a lot people that have these things mm -hmm. talk about that a lot how they're not fulfilled they're not happy and it's someone on the outside as someone else on the outside i could i can't understand that you know i can't understand um i can't and i can't mm -hmm. like i you know both I, I think that i would feel happy maybe for a, a moment you know like being able to go purchase a lamborghini in cash at the lot you know and being able to own a house outright and it be a $25 million house. Mm -hmm. But it's like those things are not fulfilling. So, but when you're, this is like all, almost like your purpose, you, you're, you're, you're delving into your purpose now and it's what you're creating. And that, because that's, because it's almost like you, you and your own, it's not just based on your talent, it's something that you're manufacturing. It's so more, it's so much more fulfilling and that makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. You know, some people that were in your shoes would think, no, how, getting the accolades from Method Man, that's, that's the pinnacle for me, you know, cause he's solidifying me, but you're proving your own solidification in your own creative process mm -hmm. because that's what it all kind of boils down to. You're a creator. You're not, you're not just a rapper, you're a creator mm -hmm. and you're creating something that's going to inevitably be your legacy. Mm -hmm. And that's fulfilling. Absolutely. And whatever comes as a, as a byproduct. Okay. But that's not the impetus behind why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're putting so many other people up on game and you're, you're building a platform for them. And that's what, that's, I think what you're trying to say by saying, this is what's fulfilling to me like that, that would be fulfilling for sure. Absolutely. I mean, like it's, it's been insane. So we like, I'm literally create, so a market can't be created until there's a scene. Right. And so 
not only am I help creating the scene, I'm creating the scene and then kind of guiding the scene at the same time, you know, so I'm competing in it as well. Uh, friendly, of course, but like, I mean, the artist that I, I said, hey, I picked these seven artists, these are my people. And I elevate every other creator. All the other creators I think are dope. I elevate them as equally as I update, uh, uh, elevate my team. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, um, now the reason I rap still is A, because I love it. But B, it's more so to show my squad that I'm not going to ask you to do anything I wouldn't do. You feel what I'm saying? I know you work 40 hours a week. I know you got kids. I know you got other priorities. I do too. I don't have kids, but I, I work 80 hours a week and I, I'm handling your career plus their seven other careers plus my career plus, 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 plus. But every time I get on the mic, every time I set up a studio session, every time I book a show, I'm going to show up. I'm going to help set up. I'm going to help break down. I'm going to be there right with you. You feel what I'm saying? And like, and I've been doing that for the last four years and to finally, you know, get a record deal and be able to take these artists from here, some of which have never really left here on their first out of state trip. And we, you know, we went to Vegas and we recorded. This was just a couple of weeks ago and we got to document the whole thing. And like and my journey into NFTs and crypto is a whole nother thing, which we can get into. But um, yeah, I mean, just to see see their faces light up and like know that this is because of music that like all of all of my people are with me and like we're not just putting a city on my back i'm putting a whole area code a 200 mile wide area code on my back and saying the 805 needs to be heard you know what i'm saying like i don't care what's going on no disrespect at all but like this is the biggest area code y'all can't keep skipping over us like you have been you feel me? you're gonna hear what we got to say and it's actually working and it, and it feels amazing and that's the the you know that you you talk about how you talk about your journey you talk about all these little things that that happened in your life they had to happen that way for you to gain the experience for then you would have the empathy towards these other artists mm -hmm. that are coming up and look you clearly believe in these people or else you wouldn't be putting your effort and your time into them your energy into them and that's what happened for you people believed in you when they heard you and they just they just saw talent in you, not only in you, but even like there's a there's a facodial aspect to this too. Like what you present, how you present yourself. You're not only you don't have just the lyrical ability, but you have the look hmm. and you have the posture and you have the aura that can carry the lyrical ability too. Some people don't have that, or they have one, not the other. And you know, so what I'm trying to just say is that you, it took you going through all these different things for you to land here and do something of more prominence of higher prominence. Whereas before you just wanted, you were chasing the bag mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas now you're chasing a legacy. It's yeah. so much more meaningful. It is. And beyond, beyond the bag, I was like, so what most people, when you say, that you don't understand or you, you halfway do halfway don't understand when you can have, you know, a $25 million house and, and be unhappy. In my opinion, that's because those people are looking like 
to hit those accolades and those achievements to then al to al allow those things to define them because they don't really know who they are, right? So they figure if I'm if I can be defined by this twenty five million dollar house or this Lambo or be Jay Z's friend or Beyonce's friend who says they love my music, then I'll forever be solidified in the pantheon of cool people, and I'll never and I'll feel validated and I'll feel secure, and all these feel empty feelings will go away. But the thing is, like only you can define yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I have always known who I was. And I think that me trying to chase those accolades and do it the way that everybody else does it took me out of being myself. You feel what I'm saying? And like, um, I, I never had a problem defining myself, but I never did know what I wanted my legacy to be until connect the coast. And, and, and that to me was the missing piece that changed everything. And that was four years ago, about that, roughly. Um, so I'd say 10 years ago, like I started thinking about how I wanted to be remembered and like what I wanted to leave behind. And then it just started, it started defining itself four years ago. Even at 30 though, you know, the fact yeah. is people don't believe me when I say this, but it takes a long time for men to create themselves. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time. Men don't typically, unless you're a Justin Bieber you know, or Justin Timberlake or some of these people that start off from such an early age and they have one crazy talent mm -hmm. or like, you know, both of those Justins have more than just one talent, but it's like most men we're speaking in generalities here, not just the nuances or the, the rarities, right, like right. unicorns, like I just spoke of generalities here. It takes men a long time to create who they are, not until typically around forties, do men really come into their purpose? Mm -hmm. You may start younger, but this shit doesn't materialize right. until you're like approaching 40 ish. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know plenty of men that have been even further along in life. And then their career takes off at like 40 something. Yeah. Ron White was one of those guys. Mm -hmm. He was like 42 when he got discovered by, I think it was 42. Don't quote me on that. But when he got discovered by Jeff Foxworthy, mm -hmm. And Jeff was like, he just, he, he identified his talent. He's like, Ron, I need you on this blue collar tour. Mm -hmm. And that's what kicked Ron off. Ron, that's what kicked everything off for Ron. And it's like now Eminem we know, too. And was Eminem, Eminem that way was, too? Eminem was, I mean, late thirties, you know what I'm saying? Like before he like really became Eminem. Con, Kanye too. It's insane, man. But you know, the fact that you even have, like you had that at 30 but that seed did not even start to, to blossom into anything until you were about 36, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's where I, that's where people get distraught because they want things to happen now. Right. They want, especially men, yeah. men want things to happen now. And I'm telling you, it's like, I've, I've promulgated this multiple podcasts. You have to start something and then be able to stop, not stop it. Like you just have to keep pressing and no matter things that are not going to happen your way, they, they're not going to happen your way. No matter how many days you wake up and you're like, this is a fuck day. I don't want to do this. That's where discipline comes in handy. Obviously you yeah. need discipline. You need trust. You need to be obedient to what you've set in place years prior mm -hmm. or else nothing's going to come of anything. Yeah. And you're just going to keep starting over and starting over with never finishing anything. And look, when you're finished, that's when you die. I mean, that's when you're finished. That can kind of segue us into your faith, man. Because obviously 
and I've noticed this too as a male, as a, as a, as a growing male, right. like my faith is questioned, but not in the ways that, um, and I don't want this to come off in a disparaging way to, to the listeners, but it's like my faith is questioned in the sense of I question certain things. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and this is one thing we've talked about multiple times on this podcast, but faith. So having faith in this by the Bible, it says faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. But it, as a human being, if we don't have an aim, so, okay, so that's one part. Faith without works is dead. Okay. So that means you have to apply action and belief in shit. That's not seen yet. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So on the other end of the spectrum, as a human being, if we're an atheist, we have to still set an aim for our life mm-hmm. in terms of creating something materializing something from nothing. Right. So we have an aim. I want to do this, a goal or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And you keep pressing into whatever that is. And that's action, right? You don't know it's going to culminate in anything, but you keep pressing into it. And then eventually something happens. Yeah. Right. So why faith then? What's the need for faith? Faith. Then that to me, that says that God's just trying to He's like, he's got a backup plan for what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Faith, but without works is dead. Right. So it's the same thing as a human that's just applying. It has an aim, a direction to go. Right. And he just keeps working, moving to that direction. Yeah. So then what does that mean? Is that really, then is faith applicable to life? Mm-hmm. And that's just the shit. But I'm not, but I'm not questioning God. No, I get what you're saying. But it's like, yeah. God gave me a brain. Right. And he gave me this ability to think. Yeah. And I mean, the only the Bible defines faith as the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen. So it's something that you hope, like the goal is something you hope to achieve, and you work towards that, even though there's no sub, there's no tangible substance, no tangible ROI. You're still working towards that, knowing or hoping that you're going to achieve that end goal. And so, I mean, I think when you break it down like that, to me. The, the core of that is hope. You know what I'm saying? Faith and hope are, are interchangeable. Kind yeah, of. exactly. And, and I mean, regardless of, regardless of what, what your faith is, I, I see people, I'm more of a, a logical, logical mind. So I feel like, um, I, I got, I guess I asked the same question as you and, and the answer for me was like, I just, if I see a goal and I put as much work as I can towards that goal and I'm as consistent as possible, I'm either going, I'm either going to hit that goal or I'm going to hit some sort of milestone that lets me know that that goal is not achievable. Mm. And once I hit that, then I'll pivot. But if in my mind and if, if in my, if my instincts and everything in my being is telling me like I can achieve this, then. I'm going to do what it takes to achieve it. I've just kind of always been like that, but that's innate, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a feeling that you have that is sort of, sort of innate. Like you can't define what that feeling is. Right. You just know it's attainable. Mm-hmm. And even if it's never been done before, there's something in you that, that just whispers to you like this can be done. Yeah. But then there's on the, on the backside, there are things that you're like, there's no way dude. There's no way I can't do that. And I won't even attempt it because yeah. it's just, and even if I did, it's not fulfilling to right. even venture down to try to create or try, you know, so where do those feelings come from? They just, I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain it, man. It, it's not like it. I don't know if it's a faith, if it's a spiritual thing or it's an energy thing, or if it's a, all a frequency vibration thing. I think it's more of that. It personally. might be that, you know, and right. I don't even know where to begin 
and talking about frequency and vibration. I just, you know, like some people you meet for the first time and you're like, there's just something about you. Yeah. Like I want to be around you a lot mm-hmm. and it's, you want nothing from that person. You just want to be around their energy, almost as if you knew them in a past life or something. And you guys have like a bond, mm-hmm. you know, and I've met people like I've had people like that in my life, man. But I don't know. I mean, for in terms of faith, I don't I don't. And look, I don't ever want to question these things, man. Right. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say I, I would rather lead a blind eye, man. Yeah. And I just would rather just not know, not hear people, not question things and just believe what I've been indoctrinated to believe Interesting. my entire life. Because that to me is, I can't go wrong with that. And even if I can go wrong, I don't want to roll the dice. I feel you. I just don't want to roll the dice, man. But I, it's hard to, it is hard to not question because I am logical like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't mean, even like if you look at the Bible, so like, when I say I've said this before on, on other platforms, but like, so Lord Sanctus comes from, um, I was watching this movie one time and I wish I could, I can never remember what it's called, but they were talking about, um, like the evolution of man and like the next evolution of man would be called homo sanctus. Mm. And basically that, that state, that, that status of man would no longer care about um, anything that didn't put humanity on a quote unquote holy trajectory, meaning like we're not warring over resources. We're not worrying about who's doing what with their genitals. We're not worrying about who's eating what we're, we're worried about things that drive humanity forward and we're connected as people and we're on the same frequency. And so once we hit that level, they're saying it's called homo sanctus. And I was like, I really like that, that idea of just being focused on the macro and Mm -hmm. kind of not letting the micro get in the way of connecting with people. And so I was like, I want to be like the Lord of that movement. And so Lord sanctus came from that. Um, But in that, I just really opened my mind to just different thought processes and things like that. And, um, I just started thinking about the Bible in a literal sense. And I was just like, it's never really made sense to me how, you know, um, Adam is the first human and Eve is pulled from Adam's rib and we're made in God's image. If we're made in God's image, like men don't get, that doesn't happen. But if God was a woman, and then Eve was the first person and Adam was pulled from her rib. That's just a pregnancy. And that just kind of was like, oh, wow. And then I started going down like when God says this is stupid and anecdotal. But I mean, if you've been in a relationship, you might be able to relate. The way God says that. No, never been in a relationship. Ever. <laughs> in the Bible, God says that he's a jealous, he is a jealous God. Yeah. And that you shouldn't worship any. He, they, they, he basically says there are other gods, but don't look at them. Look at me. Yeah. Like a man would with his woman. Or like a woman would with his man. Don't look at other women. Yes. yes you feel true, what I'm saying? True. Like. 
those women are not as hot as me. They're not as sexy as me. Don't even look over there. Look over here. Yeah. That to me was like, okay, that's a very kind it's controlling. of feminine thing. You know, it's kind of controlling. Like, too, why right? even tell me there are other gods? You feel me? Why don't you, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. Like, it's, I don't know. That's a feminine thing. But then I also started thinking like, even the symbolism of if Eve was told to keep Adam's snake or penis out of her garden, which was her vagina for a reason, because the fruit that it bears is disturbed children. Is that what it symbolizes? That's what I think. Like Cain and Abel who can't comprehend not to kill each other because they're, you know, their dad, their mom and dad are brother and sister. You feel what I'm saying? Like, so, I mean, I start thinking about things like that, but it all stems from the Bible saying we're made in God's image. And that one thing is like, men don't, I mean, people don't come from rip men's ribs. They come from women's ribs. You know what I'm saying? They come from men's nutsack. So like, <laughs> why is that not addressed? I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting. And then it gets deeper and deeper and I have other thoughts, but I mean, that one thing to me, um, it honestly made me, it because it makes sense to me, it made me a lot more empathetic towards women, which has made my life a lot better. I'm going to be 100% real. I think there's just a lot of resentment I was holding and walking around with towards women that I think I was indoctrinated with. I didn't really feel those feelings. I, I think, what do you mean by that? Um... You know, just those, you know, sometimes like as men, we internalize rejection. Like if we meet a woman we don't like and she rejects you and you're really aggressive and disrespectful to her, to her you know what I'm saying? I think that's that's a pattern of indoctrination that we learn because we're carrying around this like resentment that like I think it comes down to like a lot of men not being cool. Like we see how women are able to move through the world. And like, let's say a a woman can leave her wallet at home and still feed herself and get drinks and and do all these things. And someone will at least ask if she's okay and if she needs help. And that's not necessarily the same for us. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so instead of us being mad at the way society is set up and try to change that, we, we say she's a gold digger and any girl that does that is the worst person in the world and she has no value and this and this and that. And that's not for me to say, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, but I I don't feel comfortable anymore kind of directing those, those kind of, um, those kind of comments without having knowledge of a person anymore, any male or female, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just made me more empathetic. Like if I don't know you, I have no nothing negative to say about you until I until you presented that to mm-hmm. me. You feel what I'm saying, and that's something that I learned um, in 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 my path towards being more empathetic and and being believing that God is a woman has kind of helped me do that. You know what I'm saying? Do you think that God and Mother Nature are kind of analogous? No. Um, well, I guess if you look at Mother Nature on as as the entire universe, um, but I think that God is yet yeah, more analogous to um, Have you heard of the Akashic Record? Mm-mm. So it's a Vedic Indian belief that there is a place 
in the universe or throughout the entire universe, like all knowledge, all ideas come from a, a specific place, you know, and it's called the Akashic Record. And us as human beings have different tether. We're tethered to that, but the strength of that tether is different between each person, you know what I'm saying? And I think, and, and that's why, you know, two people will invent the radio at the same time or, or things like that happen because the idea is just already out there, but, you know, our brains or our spirits or souls tap into that wherever that place is and that's where they come from. And um, I feel like God is more analogous analogous to that um, and gravity, but I'm still putting the whole gravity thing together in my head, but I definitely have a really interesting theory about that but i'm what, not ready to say oh, okay you're not ready because i'd want to hear that the you know when you talk about women and world people in general having empathy with people mm-hmm. um i definitely uh i definitely understand where you're coming from with that and i see that it's you made a point about women being able to leave their wallet at home and being able to still get you know their bill paid for and taken care of because us as men feel it's like our duty to take care of women Mm -hmm. and it's there is motive behind it Mm -hmm. you know pussy is what's behind it and it's like that doesn't i'm not saying that to come off derogatory for the female listeners but that is our motive females Mm -hmm. it's generally to get pussy right because it's something that we we need to spread our seed Mm -hmm. it's something that's just kind of innate biological to us it you know you don't see it we don't see it that way now but i mean that's really where it stems from right right? of course of course so it's like the reason being that is the reason that men do what they do that's the reason why women can go out without a wallet and if they look good especially they have an easy time being favored. I mean, it's just, I don't know what it's like cause I've never been a woman. So it's like, but I can, I can presuppose that if, if I was a woman and I was attractive, it would be easy to do anything. Right. Right. And that's another reason why men have to bear the burden of becoming something because women are born already something. Mm-hmm. They don't have to become anything. They just have to marry somebody that is already something or going to be something. You know, I mean, what you have nowadays women that are, you know, quote unquote boss bitches and they independent and I don't need a man and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. But you have to understand that the kind of man that you want after that, like when you realize you want to start a family and you're after 30 years old and you've done the whole insurance game thing and real estate agent, whatever lawyer, whatever you realize I want to have a kid because it's getting late in the biological clock and I ought to find a man. Now the problem is you won't date down. Mm. So the man that you want the only one that you'll accept is going to be higher earner than you because men, women, always go with a higher earning man or at least at bare minimum neutral may make the same. Mm. So if you want, if you make a hundred grand a year, you want a man that makes maybe 120 grand at bare minimum or a hundred grand bare minimum. Men like that are hard to come by. And when they have established that type of feat in their life, they don't want you because you're independent. 
and you don't need them for provision. Mm. And a man wants a woman that needs him for provision and protection. That's something that's biological in us. Mm -hmm. And we're not willing to negotiate with unless you're a beta or a simp. Mm. Right? So it's like, that's the conversation where it goes. Women don't like to hear that because they want to think that they can get whatever they can get at any time. But I do feel like, so I think that some of the things you said, I, I can agree with some of them, not so much, but I do say that, um, like you're right about being motivated by pussy for sure. Like that's, that's instinctual. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's, there's not a lot we can do about that, but I will say that like, um, I don't think it's right to, if we're the ones that want pussy and they know that we want pussy, right? It's not then right to put the bait out there. And then when they take the bait, be like, oh, you're a dumb bitch. Cause you took the bait that I put out there. You, you feel what I'm saying? And a lot of us as men do that. That's what I mean. I don't think it's anything wrong between the natural dynamic between men and women. You feel what I'm saying? Like as a man, you see an attractive woman, you want to go after her, like your instincts kick in and same for her. You feel what I'm saying? If you, if you got the Lambo, if you got the muscles, she's same for her instincts kick in as well. Yeah. But I do think that like, it's, I think it's whack when like if you pull up on a girl with the Lambo and she gets in and you fuck her and then you're like, oh, you dumb bitch, you fucked me because I have a Lambo. It's like that's what you presented to her. Like, oh, how yeah. So she's supposed to know that in the same way that I think it's whack when um, a woman presents only her body and then gets mad at you for only wanting her body. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Like, I think both of those miscommunications are super whack, but that's, I think those are things we do in a less empathic state. You feel what I'm saying? When we're not, when, when we're frustrated because we can't control the way one gender behaves, we take it out on the other gender. You feel what I'm saying? And that's not to say that, men are blameless and that's not to say that women are blameless, but I am saying that I do think that, um, the same way you said we're, we're talking in generalities. Um, we do have to recognize that, you know, there, there are, especially, I think there are even more nuances in the dynamic between men and women. I, I do think that. Yeah. Well, I don't think that, you know, everything that you're saying, I completely agree with. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing that I was saying that, that make that really is something that women don't want to adopt is that they can have it when they want it, whenever, mm -hmm. even at, even though they've made themselves something substantial, mm -hmm. like unless you're married as a woman at an early age and make yourself something with your husband, like a, a man that's a high earner is not going to want necessarily what you come with because what you come with is typically a disagreeable nature, combative, you know, cause it takes those things to be independent and to mm -hmm. be in this world mm -hmm. and be as woman as independent, you know? And so that's totally different topic. I don't even know how I got on that <laughs> shit, but it's like, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any like overlap or, or, or d division between what you and I are both saying. Mm -hmm. It's just two different tones, mm -hmm. but it's the same really under the same umbrella. It's like, so yeah, I don't, I don't even know how we got on that, but, um, that's something that I feel, I just, I, I just felt like, you know, this is something that women are, I think it's because it's something that frustrates me. Like when I see it on, like what you're talking about, women that are promoting themselves in that kind of promiscuous way. Mm -hmm. And then when 
when they get the male attention, they're like, what do you fucking do? You know, they get, they get irritated. That's like, well, look, that's what you're putting out. Mm -hmm. So how do you think we're going to react Mm -hmm. when we're visual? That's all we are. And we're only meant to really just spread our seed, Mm -hmm. even though we have to have ethics and morals and, you know, obviously was, I think that's the bigger conversation though. Like is, and that to me is the conversation I would rather have. Like as a whole society is like, why do we constantly watch marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage after monogamous relationship after monogamous relationship fail? And we keep saying that that's the way. And 90% of men I talk to say what you're saying. Like, I just, I want to spread my seed. That has nothing to do with how I feel with, about you as a person, young woman. Like, if, even if, if you're my girlfriend, that doesn't mean I don't love you. It has nothing to do with you. You feel what I'm saying? But like... Just because Hallmark and Disney said that you yes. are supposed to be the one I love forever exactly. and that's the only pussy I'm supposed to want, it's not like that. And if it was like that, then the marriage would have a way higher success rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just whack in general that the whole thing of marriage is till death do us part, except for if you cheat on me. That's nuts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... There's so many worse things that can happen to you than me falling into another vagina. You feel what I'm saying? Like, right. But that's the thing that like kills the death vow. Like, I don't understand either, especially for men, because men only men can easily love their wife. Mm-hmm. And I'm by the way, I'm not promoting this right. in any way. Mm-hmm. But men, the way that females think about how a man just just get out of your own lens for a second and get into the lens of a male. A male can have sex with someone else and it be nothing. And it be, it, it, it it's be a necessary nothing. release. That it's nothing just a release, right? Yeah. I, again, I'm not promoting this and I'm not saying it's okay to do it. If you're married or if you have a, a girlfriend that you love, etc. No, but I am saying that if you take the actions necessary for a man to cheat it's different than the action necessary for a woman to cheat i can argue a woman cheats every day on instagram with guys that she allows in her dms and conversations that she actually allows to happen through her dms because knowing how a male thinks that male is not hitting you up because he thinks that what your that your picture of your smart water is pretty right he just he he knows that's a that's a that's a possible seed he's planning to possibly get to know you more mm-hmm. and to meet up with you to fuck you mm-hmm. because look that's at the end of the day the motive behind the male but the but the male just wants to have sex doesn't care what it takes to get there he just wants to do it and there's no emotion behind it so when he cheats he cheats with his dick that's it but when you cheat, you cheat with your feelings and your emotions because that's how you're naturally wound up, mm-hmm. right? So it's not the same, but I'm not saying it's right to do it. I'm just saying. Well, I think, I guess my question is, why is it wrong to do it? You feel what I'm saying? That's my question. Because even in the, like it's, and this is also where I fell in with Christianity too. And like, I'm in a relationship, I'm in a happy monogamous relationship. So I want to put that out there. Like, I don't necessarily, I mean, but I do have like men, like, like any other man on the earth. I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like I don't want to fuck multiple vaginas. Like, that's just how I feel as a man. You feel what I'm saying? But like discipline is what you talked about earlier. I have that. I love my girl. Like I'm disciplined enough to not do that, but I don't like having to pretend 
that I don't want to do that. And I like being with someone who allows like my masculinity to survive. And what I see is in a lot of relationships is that, um, and this is weird. Cause I, I don't, I'm not like a, I, I don't knock this, but I'm, I'm not a person that like necessarily believes in alpha or beta. I don't, I just don't, I just don't believe in that, but I don't knock it. But I, I, I say that to say, I do think that there are a lot of people running around in relationships who have their, their masculinity stuffed out. You know what I'm saying? They're not even allowed. Like you said, we have two different vantage points as men and women. From a woman's perspective, she can get butt naked on internet all day, twerk, and guys can comment, and she can comment back, and guys can slide into the DMs, and she can comment back, and it's just, that I'm just engaging my fans. That's all. And then you could go like that same type of picture that's not her, and the world is over. She'll say, how could you like, you're giving, you're signaling to her that she has a chance with you, and I can't believe you would do something like that. And it's like, you're doing the same motherfucking thing, but it's just different because you're doing it. That's the only difference that's happening is you're doing it, so it's not wrong, and I am doing it, so I am wrong. And like that, but I think that is this the same way we've been indoctrinated to feel how we feel, they've been indoctrinated to feel how they feel. Because I will say that in my lifetime, if I've made women comfortable enough and let them, you know, know that I see them as people, they don't really try to trap me and like put me in relationship jail. You feel what I'm saying? As long as they know that I'm fucking with them on on an emotional level and like I'm providing for them. They might even bring me another girl to fuck with. You feel what I'm saying? Like, so it's not that it's impossible to happen. And then on top of this, what I, I did interrupt myself when I said my I started to question faith is because in the Bible, it says the bed of marriage is undefiled, meaning if you're married, you can do whatever the fuck you want in bed. Like you can fuck whoever you can have orgies if you want with your wife, like the bed of marriage is not defiled. The things you do outside within your marriage don't define your marriage, but nobody ever talks about that. You feel what I'm saying? And that to me makes me feel like relationships are more of an industry than they are a connection because people like to pick and choose when morality comes into play and commitment comes into play for relationships. Because you know what I'm saying? Like if you fucking lose all your teeth I'm supposed to stick with you through that but if I get a crush on another girl you can just take all my money and dip like mm -hmm. that doesn't make no sense you feel what I'm saying like so to me it's more so about questioning the way things are structured and why they're structured like that and not not attacking each other because we don't have any power in how that how that is structured. You feel what I'm saying? Like we keep attacking each other so we don't attack them and and change things where we should need to stop doing that and focus on changing the system and and, and hit that homo sanctus level. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many things about male female that are not uh that are not fair. Mm -hmm. Like life is not fair, facts, dude. Facts. The way that the way that women are able to ski through life without having to do really well, I don't want to say do anything, but they don't have to make themselves anything. They're just already made, mm -hmm. so to speak. And a man, look, if a man 
doesn't make himself something, he'll be on the streets. True. And if a woman make doesn't make herself something, she'll be taken care of though. True. I mean, it's just the, the way it is, right? But there's so many things that are unfair. One of the things that are unfa- that's unfair is that a woman can hit a man and it not go public or it not it not be nothing will no, no consequences will be set upon the woman. But if the tables were turned, it's over for the guy. Mm-hmm. And we know that to be not the way that you act as a human male, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't hit a female, but when the tables are turned, it's easy and they can do that. And it's, and they can, or they can badmouth you in public, shame you in public and talk all kinds of shit, air your dirty laundry and you're supposed to take it. Yeah. But men accept that mm-hmm. like men accept that we don't try to fight it. We just accept that's the way it is. It's the way women are. But women won't want to accept the fact that a man can, if he's a higher earning male, he's got a lot of options. This just happened with ASAP uh, Rocky and Rihanna. Mm. He cheats on Rihanna. Who, how would you, why would you cheat on Rihanna? You know, I mean, it's Rihanna. Why would you cheat on Beyonce? Right, <laughs> right. He has, he's 30 years old, right? 30, mm, something, like like 30 something like that. Yeah. Rihanna it's sad to say, but she might be on the downs, the downhill, mm. right? Part of her life, right? And she's pregnant. The one thing that I don't agree with is the fact that he impregnated, he has a pregnant girl mm. with his kid and he cheats on that. Mm. I understand the motive because to him, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it, I'm just fucking something. I'm that, That's it. But the fact that he, see, this is something that I kind of, uh, uh, have contention with in my own, uh, from my own perspective. Mm-hmm. Like if I had a wife and I had a child with a wife, mm-hmm. I know, even though it's, it's understood widely understood that men, when they, if they cheat on women, it nine times out of 10, it happens. They cheat on a woman. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what their life is they're they have kids, no kids married, no, they cheat. Right. Mm-hmm. If I were given a wife and a child, this is the way that I see it. This is my own this is my own thought process. I'm not just cheating on that woman. Mm-hmm. I'm cheating on my child's mother. Gotcha. And that's fucking something I'm not willing to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to negotiate that. I'm not willing to, even if I'm even if I'm just so not happy with her. Right. Like I'm I'm cheating on my son or daughter's mother at that point. So that makes it even more profound to me. Did this recently happen? Because I've not heard about this. So ASAP recently cheated on Rihanna. Yes. I didn't hear about this yep. at all. And so like they're done. Is that what's happening? I don't I don't know. I bet they're I bet you they're not done. Okay. I mean, but he cheated on her with like a, a top designer. Interesting. Yeah. And um I mean <laughs> look when you're ASAP, you got options. True. Options. But you know what I think though? Like cause people say you're only as faithful as your options, but I think more so like, cause I, I love this conversation. I talk to men about this conversation everywhere I go. I talk to women about this. Like for the past 20 years, I have just been having this conversation because it's so fascinating to me. I feel like men and women are like different species. You know what I'm saying? They are. Like, yeah. like the way that we think. But, um, I do think that like a, so from a men's perspective, from, from, from what I hear, And what I felt before, the only times I've ever really wanted to cheat is when my girl is giving me more problems than I want to deal with. 
You feel what right, I'm saying? Right, because what do you want more than anything? Peace. What is it? Exactly. Peace. Exactly. That's it. You feel what I'm saying? More than pussy, I want peace. You feel what I'm saying? So like, it doesn't matter if you're Beyonce or if you're Rihanna. Yep. If you're if you're bringing problems, that's just like I don't. It's not worth fucking with Rihanna for these problems. You're going to go seek a place where those problems don't exist. And that's right. what ASAP did. That's what Jay-Z did. That's what Dave Justice did with Halle Berry. That's what Tommy Davidson did with Pamela Anderson. That's what we can go down the line and name the most beautiful women in the world that have been cheated on because to the man, those problems are not worth the pussy. You mm-hmm. feel what I'm saying? Like that's what it is. But there are also things like, to address what you said earlier, like life is not fair. You're a hundred percent right. But there are things like as, as men, we just don't deal with that women deal with all the time. You feel what I'm saying? Like, like unless we go to jail where there's no fear of us getting raped, you know what I'm saying? And like that shit is way more, especially like now that I have like a kind of news outlet on the coast, I'm getting DM'd on the regular about things that are going on in the city and rape is pervasive out here and it's kind of disgusting. Um, I mean, like if a, if a woman was in a relationship with me or you and we were aggressive, she kind of got to take that beating. Even Especially there's a lot of rich men who you said, yeah, they'll take care of women, but they're not in like a blissful situation. You feel what I'm saying? Like they getting their ass beat and like that shit is not fair either. So there's, there's a lot of things that we don't have to deal with that they do have to deal with. Again, I think that, um, none of them are cool. And I, and I think that, um, we, we should take the targets off of each other and, and just focus on changing the system. Like I just, it's, it's interesting to me that I feel like relationships are very similar to private insurance. Like, like in the sense that, people will fight to protect private insurance when it does nothing for them because they think that they get their health care from the insurance when it really comes from the hospital. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. The insurance is just the middleman. But people will tell you that if there's no private insurance, then there will be no health care. But the whole rest of the world is evidence that that's not true. And relationships, especially from a male perspective, are kind of the same way where they just replace insurance for love. And, and women think that love won't exist if if monog I mean well not resi- not insurance but replace healthcare for love and people think women think that love won't exist if monogamy doesn't exist which is the insurance you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and that's that's not the case you like you might actually be happier if you weren't chasing me down trying to figure out who else I'm attracted to besides you, you might have a lot more time on your hands to do other things with your life. You know what I'm saying? And be more fulfilled. Well, especially if you're the one providing security for them, providing a household, providing in general Mm -hmm. and protecting them. Because generally speaking, that's what women want. Mm -hmm. They want security, want provision, and they they want to know that they're taken care of. But beyond that, like they want to know how many women have you heard say this? Every relationship I've ever been, the woman says, I want to know that I'm the number one priority in your life. There's nothing above me. I'm the number one thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that falls back into if God is a woman and women are made in God's image, why would you say some shit like that? Like, yeah. I don't want to be the number one priority in nobody else's life unless I'm like, you're second and you're going to be second or third in a man's life because first is his purpose. Mm-hmm. That's first. 
His purpose is first. Second, apart from that, is going to be God if he's a religious person mm-hmm. or faithful, faith-driven person. Third, you. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the fact that they say that, that's sort of masculine to some degree. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not a woman I would want to partake with. Because I've never heard a woman not say that though. I, I I've never met a woman that has not said that. That's what. They oh yeah, no, they've. I definitely. I I hear. I I've heard that a lot too, and that's why I'm not with them right now. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, that's the reason why we didn't work out. Because the more that I understand my own purpose in life, the less room I have for the that independent, masculine, combative, aggressive disagreeable woman. Mm. I want a feminine woman. Mm. I want a woman. That's a woman. I don't want a second version of me. Mm. Like I want a feminine, like, like they want a masculine man. But the funny thing is you won't let the guy be masculine. Mm. You start to step on his toes when you think he's not doing shit right. Well, the problem with that is I'm the fucking leader, not you. Mm. You follow behind me. I follow behind Jesus or God. Mm. If you're a faithful driven person right so these things are fucked up and you got them fucked up i don't have them fucked up i know my role we all have roles here Mm -hmm. that's how society functions as a whole and things are going to fall into place like you go into a business okay there's a process in order to the business it's not chaotic things don't things you know the the, the clerk isn't going back and stocking boxes there's a process to this Everybody has their roles. Why is that so hard to understand and adopt? Mm. Like foster that and we have a, fu- a fully functioning society and maybe marriages will be, will, won't be so, um, they won't be on the decline, mm-hmm. right? I mean, but it's getting worse because women are making so much money nowadays with OnlyFans or Instagram in general that they're getting the bag without the man. Hmm. And then, but the problem is they still feel the biological urge to want to have kids, right? That happens Mm -hmm. for most women. That's going to happen. You want to have children. You want to have a family. You start realizing that, but sometimes it's too late. And what you've set up, what you set yourself up for in this independent state. And remember, you're going to always want to level up. And in terms of a man, that man that's that's a higher earner that you're looking towards doesn't want you. He's going to get the 24-year-old mm. that has no baggage, no kids, no ind- no type of independent mindset, mindset, not jaded in any way and he's going to father or he's going to father. <laughs> he's going he's going to get that woman that to nurture and and bear his children mm-hmm. and start a family with. But the problem with that is the only problem I do see that's not talked about is I don't want a woman for my money. I don't want a woman that only wants me for social status, Mm -hmm. but that's what women go for. They go for status. They go, how many, okay. You, you personally, I know that when you started to get more status surrounded around your name, Mm -hmm. even when it was KO the legend, Mm -hmm. you started seeing more. And I hope I don't want to say pussy, but you started (laughs) seeing more attention from women, right? Yes and no. Yes and no. But I mean, overall, I say probably yes. I'd I'd say I'd see the same same amount of girls, but they would be more interested than they were before. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it's like the the amount didn't increase. Um, but um, 
the desire increased to want more from you though? No, because I think so. The way I the way I've seen it work is like the more clout you have, the easier it is. Like the less you have to do for pussy. You feel what I'm right. saying? And that and that's what I'm talking about. Like that is a bitterness that I carried around with me forever that I just had to let go because it will eat you alive. Like, like for instance, I worked at Verizon for a long time while my friends were touring the world in movies and step up, stomp the yard, all these things. And I'm coming home from work and they're like, all these bad fine ass girls are hanging around them. They're going to the dopest parties and all this shit. Girls will come over the house, not even say hello to me, bro. Not even, not even look at my, they'll laugh at my work outfit, like that kind of shit. Like, and, and any girl that I liked, like I see my friends, you know, especially after they did something major, like they'd meet a girl in the nightclub and they fuck her that night. You know what I'm saying? Whereas me, like they want me to take them out on seven dates and like, <laughs> like I got to do all this extra shit to get the same pussy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like some of them, like, I know you fucked my homie, you know what I'm saying? And then you coming over here and you talking about you like me. So because you like me, I got to do all this and this and this. You didn't do that for him. Why do I got to do this? And I'm not going to sit up here and pretend to understand that mentality. But what I am saying is like that did build up a lot of bitterness inside of me. And it, and it caused me to treat other women who did not do that to me unfairly. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? And that's all I'm saying is like, yeah, if, if they're treating you like that, like I believe in humans being mirrors, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So reflect the same energy that you're being given. Like, I don't see a problem with that. Like if someone's giving you fucked up energy, reflect it right back. Like that's how I, I feel. But if someone doesn't deserve that energy, then you shouldn't take take out your past trauma on them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were chasing your friends because your friends in the time in juxtaposition to you. Mm-hmm. They just had more status exactly because of what they were entailed or uh, uh, entangled with. And the, the thing is, is that even though you had the same talent in you, just not the opportunities, mm-hmm. they didn't see, you know, women are, are, are not going to see that for what it is. They're just going to see it in plain, in plain perspective. Oh, this person's doing this over here. He's got, he's, he's got in this movie, blah, 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 higher status. Mm-hmm. This guy that could easily be doing the same thing, but works at Verizon. Nah, he's broke. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have what this guy has. So they naturally gravitate towards him. And you're right, dude. I mean, even though the guy may not be the best fit for them, they don't care. All they're, all they're after is that stat, that stat. Well, not all. I shouldn't say all. Most of them are after the status. Most of them are after the clout. Mm-hmm. Most of them are after because they see that as security. They can provide for them. But why is that though? That I guess that's my question. Like, where did they learn that? Oh, that's primitive, man. That's, that's, that's already been established from way back when we lived in fucking trees. You know what I mean? Like I I would imagine like that's just, that's so old that that's type of understanding of mindset where to go. The only reason I kind of disagree is because every animal that lives in trees fucks multiple chicks and it's all good. That's That's a difference. So my my point is like, well, everybody's most, most animals are polyamorous and we're the only species that 
coined monogamy. Right. Because it's capital. Because there's capitalistic. There's capitalism. Yes. Impl- it's behind it. Yes. Behind yes. It. You feel what I'm saying? Like and there's Disney a whole, is big for that. There's a whole industry built on monogamy. You feel what I'm yes. saying? Multiple industries. So. But what is that for? For for I would I would I would think it's for selling. Selling goods, right? Yeah, like marketing sure. to women, because eighty percent of the consumer uh, clientele is female, mm-hmm. yeah. and so it's like, so they they predicate these things off of these things, you no? Know? But so that that's how that makes sense. But it doesn't mean it works in real life. Right. We're just trying to make it work, right? We're just trying to make it work, you know. But we're only trying because we we. I mean, what is even the alternative? Like. Uh, uh, what is the acceptable mainstream societal alternative to monogamy? There isn't one. No, there's not back, one presented yeah. at all. And you're nothing back else now. is accepted yeah, in and, society. And you're talked down upon if you do something alternate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you like that guy that has that seven wives or whatever mm-hmm. on the show, I don't know what's called uh sister wives or yeah, some shit. Yeah. You know, my people think that guy's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a that's lot. like yeah. a that and I'm not saying that I'm not advocating for that. Like but that's something that that's that that's that used to be normal mm-hmm. back in King's days, you know, and that was it was normal to have three, four, five, six, seven wives. It I still mean, is in a lot of parts. In of the a world. lot of parts, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know what we grew up with is what we understand as our own. It's the only perceived data we have. So mm-hmm. it's like we saw our parents, and our parents were with each other and that was it. Mm-hmm. And that's so naturally that's what we gravitate towards, what sure. we want. I myself look, I'm a male as males come, but I want that. Mm-hmm. I want a I want a monogamous, harmonious marriage mm-hmm. with a child mm-hmm. and a dog. And re- and you know, like you said your sister, shout out to Ashley Brown. She has the white pig offense, the marriage. That's the shit I want, man. Mm-hmm. I'm single. Okay, I'm single because I decided to do other things in my life right. in the very, you know, in, from the age of 20 on to 30 something. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and so I, for, I, I kind of, I, I, I kind of uh, passed up certain females mm-hmm. because I didn't want that right. in my life. I wanted to do other things. I want to start a business. I want to do, okay. So, but man, I mean. I, I still want that. That's something that I still desire. Mm-hmm. And I know for sure. And you shouldn't say, you know, for sure. Cause you don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. But I know in my own, with my, within my own ethics and my own morals, when I settle down with a, with a person, with a female mm-hmm. and we make a child and we have a family, that's shit sacred. Right. There's just, I'm not breaking that mm-hmm. dude. My dad didn't break that. Mm-hmm. My mom didn't break that. I'm not breaking it. But that's what I've come from. Right. You've come from the same knit. True. But I, I do think, I think that, so, I feel bad for our parents' generation and their parents' generation because they didn't even have the ability to question things the way that we get to kind of question things. You know what I'm saying? Like, indoctrination was the way you feel so like our our grandparents were you know soldiers some slaves and so they were just happy to not like my grandparents were just happy to be free you feel what i'm saying and your grandparents were probably just happy to be alive and be able to provide you feel what i'm saying like and and that was 
the most that was expected out of life. There wasn't celebrity culture. There wasn't likes, do it for the gram, secure the bag. There was none of that. You feel what I'm saying? So we did as a society thrive. You feel what I'm saying? Like we, we had the industrial age and, and a lot of dope things came out of that. But I think that our parents specifically, um, you're younger than me. So my parents' generation specifically created a generation of docile, uninquisitive, hyper obedient to the to the point of scariness drones kind of you feel what i'm saying especially like if you if your parents move to a smaller area like this to give you a good life and there's nothing wrong with that and i thank my parents every day for doing that but when people that grow up where we grew up get out into the world and get out into these big cities a lot of times terrible things happen because we believe that the world is the way that our parents present it to us. You feel what I'm saying? And a lot of times in these areas, they try to present it as everybody believes in monogamy. Nobody steals. Everybody is about their word. If someone's nice to you, you can trust them. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's, those are small town things that like I had rude awakenings about. You feel what I'm saying? Like the world is hard. Most people are not trustworthy and pieces of shit. You know what I'm saying? And like, it sucks to say that, but yeah, that's just really what it is. And I think that, um, there's just, a, a maybe two or three generations of people walking around super confused because they were presented the world one way and they're learning that the world is another way. And they're trying to fight that. That includes the women you're talking about who, who believe that that Disney life is, is, they deserve it just because they exist. You know what I'm saying? That includes the men that I'm talking about who get mad that, you know, the world is the way it is. You know what I'm saying? I'm bad bitches win. That's just kind of what, what everybody there's, there's nothing in the world more valuable than, you know, a pretty, a pretty woman on the surface. Now, is she valued as a person? That's a whole different discussion. You, is she treated properly? That's a whole different discussion, but men will, tumble empires to be next to a bad chick you feel what i'm saying like and i think all of that is a result of the way that the world has been presented to us and 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 again i bring it back to like we need to really question that we really really need to question that and stop questioning each other or at least pause and time out on questioning each other i wish it was that easy right i mean that would solve a lot of problems but there's so much shit going on right now and, and, and it's so easy to be canceled. It's so easy to have your, have your profile taken down or, or, and, and, and really even things that we say on the podcast sometimes, like I, um, not this particular one, but mm-hmm. there have been other ones that I'm like, shit, man, probably shouldn't have said that mm-hmm. because you just never know. And you could get, you know, Deplatform, demonetize, etc., and it's just. But then it's like, as a man, I think that it's even more prevalent because you want to go for shit you believe in, mm-hmm. even if there's consequences and repercussions to that belief. You just want to, you want to. It's almost like you want to go out in a noble way. If you go out at all, you want to go out nobly, mm-hmm. you know, because there's 
there's value in that to a man, even if it's something that's intangible. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, even in like movies, when you see, when you see, when you, when you see a man doing something for the cause, it's, it's, it's so much admiration tethered to that yeah. as you, the viewer, mm-hmm. you're like, I, w- I wish I was in that position, Of course, you know, and that means more than money, mm-hmm. you know, to be, to be touted as somebody of nobility and honor, mm-hmm. you know, it's something, it's a respect thing. And that's another thing that women love in men respect. They love men that are respected by other men or peer, their peers in general. Right. You know, and that's kind of like a status to some degree too. For sure. But it, I think it just kind of secures them as the female knowing that they're going to be taken care of. They're going to be well off. They're going to be, um, there's no, there's, there's security there. There's mm-hmm. just a security blanket. Right. But I don't know, man, the way to fix the world. Fuck dude. That's a whole nother yeah, conversation. That's a, that's man. a heavy, that's a heavy conversation because there's sure. so many things entangled with that. Mm-hmm. And there's, there are so many different elements to to. There are so many different elements to take apart. It, it just doesn't even. I mean, we've already got like an hour and forty seven in, dude. We <laughs> we'll be here all night talking about that. Um, but where do you go from here? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I feel like I'm in the the phase of. <sighs> So phase one was just kind of finding myself. Phase two was um, defining my legacy. And phase three is solidifying my legacy. And I think I'm in phase three now. And um, what was the first phase? Finding? Finding myself. You know finding. what I'm saying? Defining myself. And and um, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Finding and then defining. Defining and then legacy and then solidifying. 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 Mm. And um, I'm definitely in the solidifying phase. And um, I, the missing, so I always, what I realized in this last kind of transformative roller coaster of my life was that all the success I had had never been planned. It just, I just kind of stumbled into the success. Like I said, I'm favored and I know that and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But it was never like, this is the goal. I'm going to attack it and go get it. I just, I literally was like, I'm the best rapper in the world. I don't care who doesn't believe it and I'll do anything to prove it. And that was the plan. That sounds sounds strikingly similar to Kanye. (laughs) Yeah, for real. That was like, (laughs) there was no plan beyond that. Like anywhere I go, I'm a battle whoever and I'm a do whatever. And it's crazy. I'm turning around and like finding out, like I was in the room, I was in rooms with like real killers and murderers and shit and not aware of my surroundings not from there just barking like i'll battle i don't give a fuck who you are i'll battle you like going i could have died multiple times over but i was so focused on this that like that's how i know i'm favored um but why did they battle you then um, I think ego, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, this kid can't be as good as he says he is, you know? But like, maybe he is. And that confidence maybe was, was imposed a threat to them. And they're like, fuck it. Maybe not, dude. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the only thing that saved my life because a lot of times in those sticky situations, I ended up being as good as I said I was. And so they, there was an admiration that was built and I was able to walk out of the building safely. But I've, I've 
been jumped before for you know battling gangsters and, and being too good and i've seen people get shot before for oh, doing shit. that you know what i'm saying so that's like, a real thing yeah for sure for sure for sure like yeah i mean like i mean right now rap is rap is all gangsters like there is no a lot of people think that shit is pretend like it wasn't pretend back then it's for sure pretend not pretend right now it's like you could die saying the wrong thing to the wrong person like what's the wrong thing um i mean it could be anything it literally you need to know who you're talking to you feel what i'm saying but like, you don't you, and that's why you can't play with it and like that's why i don't need like before like i have a lot of friends that you know are in the streets that are gangsters and shit like that and i would give them shout outs on records and things like that before and and you know it was okay now things are so volatile and so crazy i can't even say what's up to my gangster friends on my on the record because rivals might think I'm affiliated oh. and that might pull me into something that I, I have nothing to do with. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's ugly right now. It's That's super crazy. ugly right when now. When you said I was in the building with real killers and murderers, I thought you were talking about lyricists. No. I mean, You're actual, talking about actual, actual killers. <laughs> I thought you were talking about no. people that could just lyrically assassinate you. No. Oh my gosh, no, Murderers and killers. And you said shit and it got you out. And, and, okay, so yes, you are favored, bro. Mm -hmm. Like there's something around you Factual. that God is preserving. A hundred percent. Like I said, I'm... Because I'm, there's no reason why... You, no and you reason. think back to that, yeah, right? Yeah. Like there's no reason why I shouldn't have been taken Those out that night. Those are the night. things I reflect on. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, like you had no business being there. And then on top of that, if you were there, you sh your mouth should have been shut. Yeah. <laughs> and like you were offending all the top people, but you did it. So you like, like I said, it's not me. I'm wow. like, I'm favored. I know that. I that's know. that's wild, bro. For sure. <sighs> and so, um, but within all that, there was a missing piece. Like I never really promoted like my deals. Like when I had singles and things like that, I never promoted them the way I should have. Because something was missing and I didn't know why. And I think there was like an ownership element that was missing. I, I question the way that things are, as you can tell. I question the way systems are pre presented to me. And the music industry was never presented to me in a way that I felt comfortable fully engaging in. And um, so I invested in, in Bitcoin. Like I had Bitcoin when it was at $7. So I like have followed crypto pretty much since the beginning. And wasn't huge on trading tokens but loved blockchain technology and like kept an eye on that and so fast forward to last year where i found out about nfts and um for those that don't know nfts is just a new layer of technology that allows you to own pieces of the internet it allows you to own digital assets so now any digital file mp3 jpeg pdf any digital file can become as valuable as a house or a car it can be a digital asset it's a provable scarce permanent that asset. is insane to me and dude. so there's a technology yeah so um i found out about this and what that technology does it really cuts out middlemen so it does it prevents what you're talking about now um I'll do a really fast rundown. So web one, um, web one was the early internet where you could only read, right? That you mm -hmm. couldn't comment on anything. You couldn't like heart. You couldn't yep, interact yep. with it. 
Web 2 is where we're at now. So that's we have access to all this information. You can like things. You can comment. You can engage. But like you said, you can be deplatformed. You don't own any of this stuff. They own the platforms. You provide the content. And you get a fraction of that money. Web 3 is, which is this industry that I work in, um, is the, the internet of ownership. And now, instead of you having an Instagram account, you have a crypto wallet. And you'll attach that wallet to Instagram or Facebook and all your pictures and all those things will rem- will remain in the wallet. So if the site ever goes down, you still have all that metadata, mm. all the stuff, and you can take that wallet and go over to the next Instagram and it doesn't matter. You can never be deplatformed because it's a decentralized internet owned by the, it's not owned by anybody. It's not controlled by anybody. And so that element of things, removing middlemen and owning your content and having custody over your own, your own legacy and your own development was what was missing. And I didn't know that that's what I was looking for. But when I found it, I was like, this is it. This is transformative. So I had already started connect the coast. We were about three and a half years in three years in, but I said, okay, now we're an NFT label. We're an NFT media company. Every content piece of content we put out is going to be NFTs. This is it. And immediately, um, I started making NFTs as music and music videos and, and made a lot of money in three months, like a lot of money, like a lot of money. And so, um, that kind of got me into the space and like one of the biggest marketplaces, um, I ended up being the head of community for rarible.com, which is one of the biggest NFT marketplaces, um, in the game. And then, um, the NFT marketplace I started selling on was called Bitski, and I just loved it because it was easy to use, but I had no idea that Jay-Z and Serena Williams were a part of it. And so they saw what I was doing at Rarible, and they reached out, and they grabbed me from Rarible. So now I work for Bitski, and I work at Jay-Z's NFT company. Oh, and, like, I'm super plugged into that world. And, like, um, because of that, uh, Connect the Coast got signed. We're the first indie label in, in California to have a deal with a crypto company called near protocol and um things are just on an upward trajectory and it's just it's amazing and i'm just like an nft evangelist now because this is the technology that i think all content creators should be engaging in it's the future of everything for sure like the meetings i take on a daily basis is we just released an nft with crocs today like i've done in i released the nft with the roots i did the utah jazz nft like every industry everything in the world is doing nfts and like it's just it's still very very early and it's really really cool i love it but that's cool you're getting in on an early an early stage man yeah that yeah the nfts i we could we should talk off mic on those uh, about that because i don't you know it's it's intriguing but i know nothing gotcha. you know what okay, i mean sure. i know nothing and i'm kind of one of those old men where i don't even want to like i don't want to learn but i want to learn I i'm not like nah fuck that that's for the youngins <laughs> you know but i am a youngin i mean yeah. i'm saying like but at the same time it's like i i think something that's nuanced like that and i want to stick to the old ways mm-hmm. But I understand evolution too, and this is not the way things are gonna be in latter latter years. But, but that shit is exactly what I talked about about the health insurance, right? Like, mm-hmm. why would you fight for a system that won't even pay you for the content that you're generating for them, and right. will take you down if you say the wrong thing that they don't want to hear? Right, right. Don't fight for a system like that. Yeah, you feel what I'm saying? Like, 
that alone to me is is the reason why um, if we want true freedom of speech, we need an element of decentralization in these platforms. And this is definitely the new wave for sure. Yeah, we got to talk about that off mic because there's there's some questions, man. But do you have an Instagram for that? Are you because I don't yeah, see you? Pro- I mean, well, connect the coast. So if you go to connect the coast, um, uh, yeah, we have that's all that's my NFT Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. Connect the coast.co is the website. When we got our deal, we have our own metaverse. So we have an actual virtual world that you can visit called the plug dome and you can connect with other people on the coast. You can see their vid- their face video to video or people all over the world. Um, and yeah, we just try to educate people on NFTs and crypto and things like that and how they can benefit, you know, your, your small business, your life, your hobbies, things like that. Cause it is, it is the future, man. That's wild, dude. There's so much to that. Mm-hmm. There's so much, right? Yeah. Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. So if people want to learn more about that, that's how they get a hold of you. Connect the coast.co. Yep. Okay. And then personal Instagram, uh, Lord of the Sanctus. So L O R D E of the S A N C T U S. Love it. Look, man, you've, uh, <laughs> we've gotten like two hours deep in yeah, this, man. And it didn't even real. feel like, it felt like 30 minutes, <laughs> but I love, I love just hearing about the journey that you've had, man. And then, most of all, I love hearing about how you feel more purpose driven now than you than you did prior years prior, which people would have probably presupposed that that's when you were like on your up right. when you were when you were working with Brittany, when you were working when you were working with um or Method Man, and you got accolades from these people would have thought that's when you know, but that's not that wasn't the case and. It's just, it's really inspiring and lightning for me to hear that because I didn't know any of that stuff. And then knowing it now, it also solidifies the point that when you do something of measure, when you create something of measure, it fulfills you in ways that are unspeakable Mm -hmm. and undefinable, but it nonetheless, those are the things that actually define you as a person, as a human being what you're creating. And so it makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, but anyway, I just want to thank you for being here, bro. I thank you for this time. And I, I just, and I know the listeners thank you too. No, I'm, I really appreciate you for reaching out and, and having me on your platform. It, it means a lot, um, especially to connect with another creator from the coast, man. That's what I'm trying to do with my movement is get, uh, you know, get you on my platform. I'll be on your platform and we just kind of elevate each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, what they say, rising tide lifts all ships. <laughs> that's that. I love that's it. What I'm saying so. That's where we're at. I love it, man. I appreciate you. All right, bro. Yes, sir. Next. Done. Again. Peace.